Hey, this is Grybok here. Normally we don't do this, but it seems extra relevant right now. We recorded the episode that you were about to hear last night, which is the night before the update came out, which adjusted all of the costs for finishing your elite specializations, and seeing as that has a fairly large bearing on some of the things that we discussed, as well as uh, updates to adventure availability and those types of things just keep in mind that we were talking about uh weekend experiences and i think all of us are really excited by the patch that just went live a few minutes ago anyway uh without further ado here is episode 166 Hello and welcome to episode 166 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening with my cohort of companions, we have Evie, Vrabin, and uh, Christian, Sea Squirrel Run. I'm not sure which one I should call you. Um, welcome back. How's it How's it going? Thanks. Uh, I've always been called by both on the show, so I'm happy with Christian. Uh, I'm doing well at the moment. Um, We've got a public holiday yesterday. It was Kate's birthday last week, so I actually took some time off work, which just so happened to coincide with Heart of Thorns coming out. So I've been able to put a lot of time into that. Nice. Yes, I also took a couple days off just because uh, because I could. Uh, how are you doing this evening, Evie? Well, I just wrote a six-page paper in an hour and eight, so I'm feeling great. Yeah, and now we get to talk about Guild Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how about yourself, Robin? Man, I feel like you guys are a bunch of slackers. I worked. <laughs> uh, I worked too, just not at my desk job. Look, writing a six-page paper in an hour is work. That is work. I meant I meant the <laughs> other people, not you, Evie. <laughs> I see mm-hmm. how it goes. Uh, so, uh, Heart of Thorns came out, uh, in case you haven't noticed. Um, so this is probably going to be kind of long. We're trying to combine the discussion to... I guess, what, initial impressions and uh, probably up through chapter four, is that right? I don't know the numbers. Yeah, let's go. I think it's chapter four. Yeah. It's so... up through Prisoners of the Dragon. And looking at these notes, maybe we should just do overall impressions and story content and make what we'll talk about later next show. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, some of it's probably going to go stream of consciousness into another thing, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think we should probably talk about story after first impressions because so okay. much of it kind of ties into, uh, yeah, everything, I mean, everything, <laughs> yeah, everything. Well, everything's all very, very. Everything connected. in Heart of Thorns is just all tangled up. Yes. Oh man, knotted up like tangled, tangled root, tangled depths. But what tangled depths? Oh man. Uh, so who wants to start off? I'll start. I was very impressed with what I've seen so far, um, what is happening. Gliding is just so much fun. I know we saw it in the beta, but it's fun to do it and have it permanently. Um, the story, the things that are happening, all of it that comes together, I'm. it's more than I expected. It's better than I expected. I'm really impressed with Rina and what they've done with it. Uh, that's just my initial initial blurb, I suppose. Evie? Oh, okay. This is just initial impressions, right? Yes. All right. First off, with the launch and stuff... I was surprised at the lack of overall bugs. I have only crashed once in the... God, I, I played all day Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I slept maybe 
maybe 10 hours since Friday. So, yeah. <laughs> um, the story was great. The mobs are awesome. I love the design. The tells are on point. But more about that later. Um, and Eric and I were talking about this yesterday, actually. But he and I both are really impressed with the movement in the environment. Like, the way the vines, like, twitch or rocks that are magic-y kind of pulse. And it's it's really nice. They put a lot of tender love and care into making sure that Maguma looks good visually. Yeah. In a bad way, because it's, you know, a wasteland in some parts. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it looks great. It's a very well-made, hideous mess of, you know, yes, all that stuff. Yeah, intentionally hideous. How about you, Christian? What's your 10-second blurb or whatever? Uh, great job. Um, it basically, it's the launch that all other MMO, MMOs would love to have, I think. Uh, it was really smooth. We managed to preload the game about an hour before it went live. Uh, naturally, download times during that period were a bit slow because the servers got swamped, but it kept going. We were all set to go just before the clock ticked over 8 o'clock our time. And from that point on, um, there weren't really any issues. The servers stayed up. I didn't have any bugs um, and we managed to sort of play two to three hours before they had a small patch and then carried on. Yeah, um... I mean, I think I think overall we're all super impressed with how relatively bug-free everything has been. Um, I've probably crashed... It sounds like I've crashed the most of anybody. I think I've crashed at least a half dozen times. Um, just, like, randomly. Not. I don't think it's uh, because of my computer or anything, but I'll just... I'll get these weird bugs where sometimes, uh, like, I'll open up the trading post and all I'll see is a pane of, uh, like, neon blue and green in, like, a like a color mesh pattern, and that's like my game's going to crash 10 seconds yeah, after that. I had that. that happen to me before launch, actually. I've got some screenshots I should post to the forums. But anyway, I've only yeah. crashed once, and but I've played a lot less. I've only played about six hours, I think. I've had one crash in that time. Yeah, I've actually crashed from a trading post like that in the past, and that was like six months ago. So that's that's not a part of one's thing. Yeah, but uh, that aside, and the fact, I mean realistically speaking you get back in game so fast anyway and mm -hmm. yeah so it's really hasn't it's never been a big problem i've never gotten cheated out of anything or like out of a reward or whatever speaking so, of getting in game faster is anyone else's load times faster or no, is no like not noticeably because like even i thought lion's archer is going to be absolutely atrocious to load into and i keep being surprised uh, I haven't really noticed a difference, but my load times have always been pretty good because I'm on an SSD. Uh, yeah, my load times are pretty good with my new computer as well, so I haven't noticed any difference really. In hard I words. have like an eight-year-old Frank computer, so yeah. Yeah, maybe they did some low-end optimization stuff. Yeah, I would say if you're seeing a difference that they definitely did something. Yeah. Um, so let's just jump, let's just plow right on forward after our initial... Uh, Initial thoughts, and let's just talk about masteries. Uh, Christian, thoughts, masteries. Okay. Um, I so I kind of started off in the middle of a train of thought. Um, one thing I found as I was beginning to level up the masteries, um, which is kind of the the new re replacement for leveling after level eighty, 
is that it kind of needs a bit more of a special particle effect when you level up, I think. It's yeah. quite easy to miss. Mm -hmm. And if you do miss it, then the bar just stays full and whatever XP you're getting doesn't kind of carry over to the next um, That is kind of thing. annoying. Um, I have a question about that. I, I feel like it might actually in some cases carry over to the next one in that line a little bit because there's been a few times where I definitely didn't select to start training a line and I already had like 12% in it. Um, I actually think that it goes either to the next one in your line or to the next mastery you haven't picked yet that is at like the highest percentage because um, when I was training Itzel Poison Lore before they did the mastery requirement takeoff thing. I actually finished it and didn't realize it while I was in Orc Basin and I did like a ton of events after and my Exalted 2 went from previous to like 75% to almost done. So either I remembered incorrectly that it was at 75% or it like went into that it like goes somewhere, but where it goes may be sort of random. I don't think it's random. I think it goes to the like one you have the most progress on. Yeah. Okay. And if I guess you don't I didn't have any that. progress, it just goes to the next one in that line. That's cool if it does that. I guess. I and must they may have patched mine. I mean, that yeah, could have been true. something. There's been so many patches like in the last couple days, which I think is really good that they're putting out a lot of small patches quickly. I think that helps clear up things like this. So I then. My more uh, general thoughts about masteries, uh, given that it is kind of the the level uh, the increased level cap without increasing the level cap. Um, naturally, there's kind of an initial knee-jerk reaction to the amount of XP that um, some of them take, mm -hmm. especially when you combine that with uh, the recent nerf to dungeon XP gain, uh, Edge of the Mists, and then a lot of us sort of thought, ah, oh, the Labyrinth of Terrors came out with Halloween, and that was a great place for experience. But um, that doesn't count towards your Pact Mastery either. But you can't train Magoomba Masteries in Tyria, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So there's also a split between uh, the core uh, Guild Wars Masteries and then the Heart of Thorns and Masteries. That, that's, I don't know. That part of the Masteries has got me scratching my head. I'm like, why can't I use it here or there? It doesn't seem to make sense. And also, you know, leveling something in order to spend a point that you gained some other way it's my mind is just not wrapping around that, and I keep even after the several betas, I had to stop. It like what, huh? Oh, okay. So yeah, we're like this. I'm gonna have to agree with the whole like experience thing to use points. I feel like they either started with just experience, or they started with just points, and then they added the other one to make it longer, to give it more like life, and it wasn't really fleshed out fully as far as being intuitive. It's a very good system. It's just not very intuitive. Yeah, it isn't very intuitive. Um, but I think masteries are good. I don't mind leveling them. They don't seem like they have too much XP. I really enjoy running on Verdant Brink and just grabbing events. And while I'm going, it makes me feel like my character is doing things like picking up tips for the glider or talking with uh, the Itzel and learning their language. And I, that kind of like puts a lore engagement into it. And I love I love that about masteries. It, it feels like they just kind of happen while you're going for me. Out of curiosity, what's everybody? What is everybody's? Um, well, this will change if you farmed COF, which I'll ask. It's, we'll talk about separately. But um, does anybody? Do you guys have any grasp on about how many uh, mastery points you have spent on Maguma masteries so far? Um, I've spent like 11. the level or the spent. 
uh, well spent because like the the points. I'm spent over twenty. The mastery rank. Yeah, I know you are. If you got the uh, poison lore and got that far, probably. Um, I put one in each of the basic first ones, and I think I've got the second tier in gliding. Yeah, I've got two tiers in gliding, and then it's a lore and exalted lore is all I have. Um, I went. I have three in Newhawk, poison lore, and it's all. Um, I have a second one in exalted, and I'm working on either the third or fourth one in gliding right now. Yeah. Um, I'm actually yeah. logging on just to double check. <laughs> yeah, I feel it, like I should know this off the top of my head. Yeah. I, some some of the later ones like take quite a bit of experience. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting because uh, yeah, it felt a lot worse at the start, I think, than it does now because... Yes. Uh, once you have sort of those basic tier one masteries of a bunch of them, it you don't feel like you're being held back quite as much because they're not really stopping you from getting anything vital. But the ability to glide, the ability to updraft, the ability to use the bouncing mushrooms, like those three in particular are so important for... And later on, once you're password at Brink and even the second map... Newhawk Wallows becomes much more important. Yeah, that's actually the one that I'm working on right now. I think I'm um, at like 85%. Additionally, like, the only thing that kind of irks me right now, and as far as Mastery's go, is that I have one hero challenge left in Verdant Brink, and I can't get it until I have Newhawk Provings. And that just bothers me on a very deep level. That doesn't bother me. I like that. It harkens back to like Castlevania or Zelda games where you get the hook shot, but it's not long enough, so you need the long if shot. If it was a mastery point, it wouldn't bother me as much, but because I'm trying to unlock Daredevil, it really bothers me. Also, well, like, so I actually gave some thought to like the whole Zelda comparison, and it really kind of falls flat for me because in Zelda, you just do a specific thing. Like, you do a quest or you do a story to mm-hmm. get something. Whereas that's just not how masteries are. Like, you get them for doing things, but, like, if you want to get, you know, like, if you need to get Newhawk Proving, like, that is so much experience that you've spent doing nothing but getting that. Like, it's the the amount of time it takes you to get... Like, I can beat an entire Zelda game in the amount of time I've been playing Heart of Thorns this weekend. Like, legitimately. I could, I could <laughs> beat probably two of them. Yeah, but so, when you've gone through and gotten the hearts and the secrets things, I'm saying things like when you get the bombs. I would have had the tools you... though. Like the like the whole point is it's taking us forever to even get the tools to get the things that we're trying to seek out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's still secrets behind. It. And I suppose if it's a hero point instead of a mastery that is blocking, that is a little bit annoying. But if you need to get something further and then go back to open a secret door or something like that, I think that's cool, and that is kind of like Zelda. I mean, yeah, it thematically it's like Zelda, but in like play experience, it's real. I mean, Newhawk Proving isn't that like the tier five of Newhawk? Uh, I will bring it up right now. It is. Yes, it is the tier five. Yeah. Do we know how much experience a, a, the difference between a tier four and five is? Uh, I should. Considering, actually, I can do a tier five takes three million three hundred and two thousand experience. Hmm. 
It's actually a little bit less than I thought it was, because aren't the tier ones a million? Uh, that I don't know. It the one for it's a mil- I think it's a million for tier ones around there. I but remember yeah. Poison Lore was two million two hundred and fifty thousand. So yeah, it's an increase of a million. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there's so much to talk about. Um, Christian, we sort of just like co-opted your answer. Uh, no, that's that's <laughs> you fine. Stuff you want to talk about? Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't really focused that much um, on so, uh, masteries in Maguma other than what I've managed to pick up by playing through the content in Maguma. But I've probably spent about an equal, if not more, time in uh, Quarteria this weekend, working on um, other masteries. And uh, so the the whole XP nerfs in, in there have meant that people are seeking out other ways of uh, finding XP. And one of the popular ways, of course, harks back to Cursed Shore and doing event farming down there, which used to be a karma grind and then a loot grind, and now it's a bit of both plus the XP. And that's not necessarily such a bad thing, uh, because obviously it spreads the population out again. And then also the new map rewards mean that not everyone is exclusively going to Cursed Shore. Obviously Cursed Shore is the most popular one, you'll find the most people there, and it's the most well-known event train, so it's easiest to just farm on loop. But I actually spend a lot of time in Straits of Devastation because some of the map rewards there are quite nice. Uh, Yeah, I... Have you guys... Have you guys explicitly gone to any maps uh, for the purpose of getting the map reward on that map yet? Or are you? Are no. we mostly still in sort of the uh, the honeymoon phase of, like, try all the new things? Uh, there are just so many uh, new things. I haven't done anything but really a little bit of Halloween, because I know it's going away, and then Verdant Brink, because I'm taking my time there, and yeah. See, I haven't done any Halloween at all, because I'm just like, eh, whatever. It'll be back next year. This is launch. I want to experience it at launch. But um, as far as map rewards go, I actually don't know exactly how those work. <laughs> and I think that's kind of a problem on, like, gameplay-wise. And that it should be a little clearer how exactly you get map rewards. Because, like, on the map you look at it, you hover it over and you see, like, all this stuff. And you're just like, oh, okay. What what does that mean? Yeah, that explained it in a blog post but i couldn't remember the exact details so i was having the same problem and i kind of wish that the new uh, dynamic and meta event tracking stuff they've got in maguma somehow was introduced into the map reward system so you can just have it hovered over your uh, mini map and get an indication there of what's coming next and how you how you're getting it mm-hmm. yeah i was noticing that it didn't have that that uh, mini map mouse over notification in in Corteria. um as far as I can tell, basically every couple of events you do, you just get some number of whatever the map reward is, and that's it. Um, so, for example, uh, I went and did two events in um, oh Fireheart Rise. That's the name of the zone, right? That's UFs in. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I just did two regular events there, and then I basically just got instantly deposited into my inventory. Um, uh, ancient bone which is what the map reward was like i just you just get it um i don't know exactly what the other rewards are because like there's the there's the primary reward and then there's other rewards so, so it, it was just deposited in your inventory it wasn't a chest that pops up like when you're in verdant brink yeah oh okay yeah i thought it worked like it did in verdant brink then see well because i think verdant brink is actually doing more like meta events where i think the okay. the map rewards actually you just sort of get them which yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, they so just kind of add it that. to the event reward when that pops up, your XP and your karma. You just get an item as well. Yeah, but because every event doesn't have a chest in the rest of the world, you just you just get it. At least that's what it seems like. Um, speaking of Halloween, I also am not doing Halloween with the exception of madly following the uh, shoulder piece scavenger hunt in air quotes that uh, every, a bunch of people on Reddit are trying to do. Have you have any of you guys followed that? It seems really crazy. It's kind of like a bunch of people trying to, uh, with collective, you know, just collectively crack a password. Collective what brute force, like <laughs> brute forcing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's crazy expensive right now. Like, and and nobody even knows what the final like recipe is. But just the ingredients involved in it and the parts that we do know are real pricey at the moment. Um, and even worse because of the new economy. You know, that too, that too. Um, but, I mean, we don't know how much uh, legendary armor is going to cost, but I would not be even slightly surprised if this shoulder piece costs more than a legendary shoulder piece. Like, it actually has a gift of darkness in it, which is the gift required for... Doesn't it have multiple gifts in it? For Twilight? Uh, not confirmed. Okay. There, people are People are searching for a lot of other gifts to see if they go in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the current standing theory is that there's only one piece missing because we have two separate recipes that have three of the four ingredients discovered. And given the currently fairly immense cost, it's theorized that one of those results is probably the fourth ingredient for the other one. Um, so hopefully there's only one missing ingredient. Um, but that also means that we don't know the quantities on the ingredients in those recipes because you don't know the quantity until you have all of them. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's real expensive, uh, and it's kind of interesting watching people just, like, make entire actual brand new web pages for tracking it because the threads are getting too crazy to, like, pay attention to. Yeah, so there's Halloween this year. That's something all right. Halloween this year is basically, let's get the bat shoulders, everybody. <laughs> yeah, or farm the, farm the maze. Or level a new tune if you don't have tomes. Oh, yeah, okay. Does it upscale you or just... Yeah, in the in the labyrinth. So that's what I'm planning to do. I've got a, a, a non-necro, actually, even though I already have a necro, but I want a non-necro. So I'm going to level that next weekend when we do PvZ. That's very smart. Um, I hadn't even thought about that, although I do have tomes, so I'm not, you know, super hard up for that. But, but if you don't mind leveling and you want to save your tomes for key farmers, go to the labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, So aside from some of our frustrations, especially mine and Eevee's with the certain masteries preventing you from getting hero points, how do we feel about masteries just as a general concept? Like, I overall, I'm pretty happy with it. I I felt it felt very daunting uh, the very first day. But now that I've got all the sort of essential ones mastered, it's not it's not feeling like so terrifyingly huge and it's actually pretty fun to get new stuff as someone or as someone that actually got poison lord mastery for the story step i think that it the masteries themselves are fine i just think that event rewards in particular and only event rewards not mob xp gain should be bumped up a little bit I would agree with that, especially with the duration of, or like the length of some of these events. Exactly. Like, I think 
length of events should be considered when it comes to how much experience they give. Yeah. Um, have you guys done many adventures? Because, oh wow, are those a good way to get experience. Whenever I find one, it's not available. So I, just, I same, have not bothered. The same uh, experience, because I did one during one of the betas and kind of liked it. But every time I get it, it's the wrong time of day or the you know the waypoint's contested for whatever reason. And they're like, oh, this is closed now. That's, yeah. that's another one of my gripes. All yeah, of yeah. The, there's so few waypoints, and they're contested, like... 78% of the time. Yeah, and you can only do the adventure when you both have fully completed the outpost next to it, and it's during the day, which is like a 10-15 minute window, and... And that's just the first map. The adventures in the next maps are even more restrictive. Are they? Oh, yeah. Hmm. The two... Well, like, two of them that I've done in the next map have almost always seemed open unless the assault was going on, but maybe I've just been lucky on that one. Um... There's one in particular that I like on the third map that I've only gotten to do once, and every single time I've gone after that, like, over the course of the entire weekend, just to be like, oh, I want to see if I can beat my rank of 50, and it's it's been like, nope, nope, there are monster crabs nearby. Yeah, if you get, because if you get a gold uh, rank, like, the first time you get a gold rank on something, you will legitimately get, like, 150,000 experience from one of those things um and you can repeat the because you get a bunch of it for the first time you get a rank and then you get a fairly substantial amount for completing one um once per day so if you get a gold after it's been your first time i think you probably get about let's see 20 30 40 probably fifty thousand experience because it gives you like the reward for getting all three ranks and mm -hmm. you can do a lot of those ones in like two minutes uh, so, you know, two minutes for 50,000 experiences, pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. It makes your masteries go a lot faster. Um, especially those tier one. Especially ones. if you get particularly good at doing said, uh, do, do, do. Adventure. Adventure. Yeah. I've only actually golded, I think, two of them, and I can get those ones really easily, and then the rest of them I'm pretty strongly silver tier. Once I had um, updrafts and feed mushrooms and all that, I was able to gold the flamethrower uh, one that's basically the first adventure most people are going to see in Bird and Brink. Yeah, I think speed mushrooms are a big one for me on that one because I can't, I can't quite get that one done. But you don't really need any masteries for the, uh, the pit one, the salvage pit. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be open. Yeah, and yeah, it needs to be open. Yeah. Um I think speed gliding and updrafts and bouncing mushrooms are all possibly needed to get gold on the Firefly treetop one near the Itzel village. Mm -hmm. Um but pro tip, I don't know if people have figured this out, but you can start gliding at the apex of a jumping mushroom jump, even if it's set to like take you, say, across a ravine if you just hold spacebar, you will cancel out of the jump halfway and you can then fly from there. Um, which helps a lot on your mobility for certain things and in that um, adventure. Like, it helps a ton to basically short-circuit where it's trying to bounce you and instead just, like, use it to get up high and, like, a certain angle and then just go somewhere else. So It's also a great way to accidentally bug yourself into a packed fleet airship <laughs> by accident. 
Because I didn't know that was a thing, and I was just holding down my space bar, and I was like, oh, this is a jump that's animated, blah, 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 blah. And then I started gliding, and I went straight into a ship. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how much more there is to say about uh, masteries at, at present. Uh, yeah, I agree with else? you that the uh, it feels really good once you've got like, the first two main, you're bouncing mushrooms, and you're gliding. And then what other one did you say would be Updrafts. your basic... Yeah, up. Oh, yeah, definitely updrafts. Yeah, those feel good, and you definitely you don't feel limited in Vernet Brink anymore. And I guess I can't speak to the higher levels. Maybe I'll be um, griping about it like you guys, but I just haven't gotten there yet. So, um, but it feels good so far with the first couple in uh, Vernet Brink, and it feels like I'm completing, you know, what the packed commander would be doing um, if he was there and learning about it and getting the uh, experience on the side and to enable me to do that. As far as the higher levels go, I think because of the higher levels is the reason why Auric Basin tends to get kind of flooded when it's not the city defense and it's like the pylon events compared to the other maps because they're kind of the best ones because the other maps kind of don't compare. In terms of what? In terms of experience per time. Mm. So what a lot of people are doing once they get to like four or five here is they'll do those events, the pylons, and then when the city defense comes up, they'll leave. And they'll either go to Temple Depths and do uh, Ogre Lane, or they'll go into Verdant Brink if it's uh, nighttime and do just defense after defense after defense after defense. If everything's high security level, then I don't know what they do because, yeah. Um, the fourth map not the best at getting experience but there's a reason for that that i can't say i just so. gotta say if you if what the game's been out for what three or four days mm -hmm. and if you're already trying to find the most efficient way to do everything instead of playing the game i'm like why are you playing the game well you've also we've also played it a lot more hours that's true that's true <laughs> Like, because once you've done the story and all you have is like, oh, hey, let's get some mastery so that I can finish the maps, that's kind of all you have to do. So you might as well do it the most efficient way so that you're not wasting time. Yeah, well, and I mean, part of it is, you know, as we were talking about, like the the experience per event not having any relevance to like how difficult it is. Like, it can be really frustrating to spend literally 10 or 15 minutes doing an event and get 20,000 experience when you could also or get Or two that. and a half hours. Yeah, and, and get, like, almost no experience. And, like, yeah, it was fun, but then you look down at that bar for that, like... Because a lot of the time your goal is actually to get this mastery so that you can do something that the mastery is blocking you from doing. And mm -hmm. so, like, when that is your goal, like, having fun just doing normal PvE is one thing, but when you look at it and, like, you know an hour of your time only progressed it like a couple of percent like it kind of makes you want to go well yeah maybe it's just because i haven't gotten to the higher levels and haven't felt like i needed to grind yet but yeah mm -hmm. i don't know it makes me kind of wish they had taken the like failed trait system from before it's like you need to do certain things to get certain traits Oh, like the specific, and, like, kill this boss to get this thing, and, like... Like, do this event or whatever, then to do to unlock masteries. Then they could have tied it great with story, and, like, had that been its progression system, and, like, you want this mastery? You gotta go do this. And it would have been much more, uh, like, Metroidvania style, where you do the thing, and you get it. 
instead yeah. of oh hey the equivalent would be like in Castlevania it's like okay I'm halfway through the game but now I have to go back to the entrance of the castle so I can kill a bunch of bats so that I can get enough stuff so that I can go to the second half of the castle now but that would be for the since they did the patch where the story was no longer gated by masteries I think they're taking care of that if you want to explore the whole map in one of those games you may have to do some you know, grinding or finding do, to do things, at least in Castlevania, I think. Probably not in Metroid. It, with the story, you're right. But there is another form of character progression that is tied to Mastery again, and that's specializations, which is why that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, although this podcast is going to go really long, and I think we were going to try and cover some of the story stuff, so I think we'll probably mm-hmm. hold off on the specialization interaction until next week or something. Yeah, there's just so much, and we're hitting. I feel like we're just hitting the surface. Yeah, Christian, what were you going to say? I was just thinking at the moment, um, just now, about an analogy for perhaps the reaction that many people are having to the uh, mastery system. Um, So it's kind of like if you want to go out into town uh, on a Friday night and go out and party, and ArenaNet has set up a whole bunch of bouncers at all the different clubs, and you go to the first club that you want to go and have some fun in, and he tells you, sorry, you need to go and uh, wear this kind of shirt trouble is you can only sew that shirt so you go home and you sew it and you come back into town and he finally lets you in and you have some fun there and then you're like right i want to check out the next place you go there and the bouncer is sorry uh your blue shirt's no good here you need a red one again you can't buy one you need to go home and sew it and that just carries on so when you first show up in town you see all these bouncers there telling you you can't go here or you can't try this it kind of really irks you once you've sewn a few shirts it's not so bad anymore I think we need to get Anet to hire some colorblind bouncers. <laughs> Speaking of, one of the bigger complaints I keep hearing is that there needs to be a colorblind mode. Yeah, somebody did have a good proposal of using uh, SweetFX, I want to say, um, to implement that yourself, but um, but I, I haven't looked into that kind of stuff, so I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how well supported that is with external tools. Although I know that's not a great, <laughs> I know it's not a great option to say like, well, you know, it's not colorblind friendly, but you can use a third party mod that's not explicitly allowed, uh, <laughs> and you know, whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, let's just start talking about some of the story since we keep talking about some of the things being gated and all that. But uh, who wants to who wants to start off on the story? How about Christian? You haven't. Uh, we've been sort of talking over you for a bit here. Okay, sure. Um, I got really engaged with the story. Um, I was really happy with how it it was going, and that's really sort of how I spent most of my time when I have been in Maguma, was focusing on the story, playing by myself, sitting in the AFK channel in Mumbles. I can listen to all the dialogue and the music and really get engaged with it, and it's been working really well. so that that quality, that level of quality is really good. The cutscenes look really nice now as well. They've got like a depth of field to them, which means that the in-game engine kind of looks a lot more cinematic when it is in the cutscene. So that's nice. Yeah, I think they've uh, uh, I think they've learned a lot from since the launch of Guild Wars with how to because the the storytelling has under, undergone a lot of changes both from the initial onset of the sort of like two talking heads practically to um you know pretty much purely in game to now you know eventually we started getting these sort of like little vignette cinematics mixed with other things uh 
And I, I think they have done a really good job with their storytelling methods. You know, like you said, um, it's it's been uh, really good. Uh, one thing that I uh, wanted to talk about, I wrote it in the notes because I was busy doing something. Um, so I didn't actually expand upon it. But have any of you guys done the first uh the first mission the prologue mission with a silvari mhm yes did you i haven't did you pick the um path where you don't go with larenthir with your silvari i can speak on this i've done it both ways yeah evie have you i always went with larenthir cuz i saw the story as a silvari through other players cuz my necro's not at that point yet so if you play through it and you go with Larenthir, um, I think, you know, I don't know if there's separate paths on that. But if you don't choose Larenthir and you are not a Silvari, you encounter a Silvari that hears voices of Mordrum. Canok kind of mocks him and then he He's turns. like, bro, man up. Like, what? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he says, yeah, well, you know, Canok's like, I have a strong mind and it's like buzzing flies. But for you, it's like thunderbolts or something. Yeah. And that that's, say, if you are playing with um, a human character. But if you are Silvari in that instance, you and Canuck kind of double team and are like, hey, you know, you can deal with this. And I think Canuck's um, mocking kind of turns into more inspiration the way the pack commander does it. And you can keep him for turning. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just found that out maybe an hour before the show. I was um, getting a couple extra characters through the prologue and my Silvari characters had always gone with Larenthir and I just sort of on a whim oh, actually not on a whim because i wanted to get the achievement that you get from the other one um because pro tip you get 10 uh what is it linseed Crowbars. oils mm-hmm. oh, linseed oils are mine 10 linseed oils and those things cost like three and a half four gold a pop right now so um you know 30 40 gold is pretty good um <laughs> so i did that path and and then when i saw that after having done it on a human like i was really impressed by that i really um I really, I really like that they are acknowledging that, like, beyond just sort of doing a little, like, one-liner, like, really acknowledging some differences between Silvari and other characters in this very, like, obviously Silvari-themed, like, crisis. Um, so just, like, touches like that. Uh, and there's one, this is... Have you also talked to the, um, uh, what is it, one of the soldiers in Verdict Brink really chides you and says, oh, you're going to kill us all because you're Silvari, if you're Silvari. And you're, you, as a pack commander, knock her back and are like, get in line, soldier, and put her in her place. I think that's interesting, too, that you're having these reactions with the pact. And, you know, some people are really afraid of Silvari, and some people are dealing with it well, and some people aren't. And on a side note, and I, I promise I'm not actually going to spoil anything, as the story continues, and as a Silvari, because, I, again, I've seen it through a friend, um, the dialogue that Silvari get with Connick is so great it, it kind of Conic's reminds dialogue me. is so awesome as yes. thus far yeah i've really enjoyed uh the story of him sort of battling the uh the voice of mordrum in his head that's what you get when you're not a silvari like throughout but when you are a silvari it it kind of becomes like a logan ritlock bromance and it's really really amazing yeah yeah so i've been i've been really impressed with like aside i mean Again, I I think we all are pretty positive on the story, but I've I've been really impressed with some of those like smaller. Touches. What have you guys thought about since we're talking about you know the difference in dialogue? What do you think of the voice acting so far? Um, I think it's great. The only one that I find a little bit lacking 
question mark. Not really lacking, but not quite at the same level as everyone else is Bram. I agree. I totally agree. I felt there was something I just couldn't take it as emotionally seriously as it seemed it should have been. The uh, um, you and I are probably talking about the exact same thing. Yeah. Which I suppose if you're listening to this, um, you can spoilers right now. Turn it off. We're going through Prisoners of Dragon, so you had your chance. When uh, Air dies, and just following up, leading to you know chasing Air, looking for Air, just Bram just seemed a little bit disingenuous, and I don't know why. It just took me out. His his voice acting wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Timey's is awesome. It's interesting uh, actually because uh, I recently realized or um, knew came to know via the internet uh, and other content um, the actor, the voice actor of Bram, Mm -hmm. who's Sam Regal, who appears on um, Critical Role, if any of you watch that. Which one is he on Critical Role? He's Scanlan, the bard. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, Which is very interesting because his voice uh, has obviously been uh, post-production lowered to be Bram. Oh, um, that but might actually, be why it seems yeah. a little disingenuous because a lot of that is done through tone. Yeah, no, I agree. It sounds like it could be the problem. I didn't necessarily have that reaction that it was disingenuous. I actually um, connected in that scene with him and could sort of felt for him. So it, I guess it worked for me. Although I was disappointed by that turn in the story. Like, I could see the build-up, and I could see the two ways this could go forth in the cutscene when it was happening. And, and then, then it went both ways. <laughs> well, the, the one way where suddenly this is like, yeah, Fallon um, backstabs Air, and then Air is faced by the uh, Vine Tooth, is it? Vine Tooth. And I thought, oh, Air is down on, out on the ropes. This is the moment when she's badass and turns it around somehow and just makes it out. Well, or in those couple seconds when you're like, she's going to be badass and turn around, I thought she was going to go full druid and like channel the astral plane or whatever they do. But she didn't. Or she dies, and that's that. And that was kind of disappointing because in the end, that kind of is that. Yeah. On the other hand, it allows you to flesh out Brahm and build him up a bit and give him some backstory, which has kind of been missing there with his relationship between Air and Brahm. But then it's like, well, why do we need the new character? Why can't we also have the old character? So this is raises a question for me, since I've not really done much story past that, like one or two. Are we going to be seeing the uh, player, the, the player characters, the, our, our, our troop, our team, are they going to be taking on the specializations that we have? Um... um. Because we, we think Bram probably will if he's going to grab his mom's longbow. And <laughs> since uh, we know Marjorie has taken the greatsword, that makes me wonder if, this is you know a little bit tinfoil hat, if uh, since Rox is training both of them, because Rox obviously has already trained Marjorie the greatsword, she's a ranger, and she's tra- training uh, Bram with the bow, is she going to be like, hmm, I wonder how Ritlock is using his magic and reach for it and find astral magic from a druid? I think that'd be kind of cool. Um, that's kind of far-fetched. I'm being. I'm well, being. I said tinfoil hat. And yes, Evie, we know you're ahead of us in the story. I've I've finished it. So, um, well, and then what about Casmir? Would she become a, a chronomancer? Yeah, yeah. That I, mean, I actually still do don't that? know because like Casmir is just her own thing at this point. <laughs> Clearly, He's... Marjorie dies, and then Casmir turns back Rewind time to time. stop it. Yeah, I exactly. was just thinking something <laughs> along those lines. Uh. Obviously, uh, also, obviously speculation. I that's no kind idea. of a theme with mes- like NPC mesmers. They're not quite like player mesmers ever. 
Like they all kind of do their own thing. They have yeah, like, like the what Queen Jenna does. Like she does things that normal mesmers can't. Yeah. And like Queen Anise does things normal mesmers can't. Or player mesmers can't. And like Kazmir has like her Uber portals that I don't actually have to be in a spot to put a portal down. And she can just poop them down a cliff. Yeah, they have like the concept <laughs> of player skills, but then they're just like turned up to like 11 on the OP scale. Queen's is like, oh, I'm gonna make a giant hologram of a dragon and fly it over this area. Then that's book spoilers, by the way, not game spoilers. Yeah, that's your fault, not mine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so, so, seeing another... as we're talking about characters, um, should we maybe talk about some of the new uh, characters that we've found? Yeah, go ahead. Ooh. I think that leads into what I was gonna say about choosing different paths again. So on the, is it the second story when you meet up with the Itzel and you can choose to go with the big dude right. with the hammer or the little dude with the like the blowgun and the bow or whatever he has? Yeah, it's so just either of you, something. Yeah, have either of you done those separately, the different paths? I've done both of them. Um, I've also done both. No, the I way, thought it was cool. Go ahead, Evie. The way um, I've done with my alts is I kind of like have their own idea. So my warrior went with the big guy because that's kind of what he does. Um... It's kind of funny you mention like characters because the more I look into the choice, like the characters from different choices, the more apparent it is to me that they're actually stock characters. And theater term, sorry. Um, which is just kind of funny that uh, that formula is coming through in a game now. Um, and, it, and it's really the. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Just want to clarify. Um, Stock characters are stock characters for a reason, but it's it's really nice seeing them up the like storytelling in Guild Wars Two by actually using like known and well used and effective storytelling techniques. Uh, what were you gonna say, Christian? Uh, so I went with Tizluck as well, the big new hawk. And when I, because when I first met him, I thought, oh, he sounds kind of cool. He's saying kind of cool stuff. Uh, so I want to see more of him. And so I did that side of the quest. And then I was like, ah, oh, these characters look like they've got a lot of potential. Like they could be a lot of fun to play alongside. So I really hoped that there'd be more uh, of them. And then there wasn't really for a while. And I'm still not sure whether we're going to get a lot of them, which kind of disappoints me a little bit because it gives me the sense that. The story sort of touches on a lot of very good things, but maybe it's a bit short and not quite as in-depth as what I'm hoping for right now. You get a lot of the, like, different characters outside of Destiny's Edge 2.0 from doing the big event chains. Ah, yeah. okay. Also, you do, I mean, this isn't really spoilers, Tislak is in later stuff too. Yeah, I've seen him later on as well. So yeah. he did come back, but in that in that in between period, I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of a shame. I wonder if I am going to see him again, or to what extent. And it's still not quite been enough uh, where I've been like, yeah, that I, was really cool. I will say one of my favorite characters is Loot Frog, because Loot Frog. What? The frog that plays. Well, not frog, but it's all. Oh that, yeah. That plays a loot, <laughs> and you have you to choose. glide to him. I yeah, think that's, that's if you choose in... the, uh, Itzel, the, yeah, the Itzel dude's um, mm -hmm. path. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I thought that was interesting and cool how it splits that. In, in the open world go-between, you are actually scouting different... You're finding different scouts and doing different things. 
Yeah, I think it's really funny that if you choose Tislak, he gives you like a warble horn that you run around yeah. and like blow on to to like be like, "Hey, I'm legit!" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That just like cracked me up. That whole storyline is great. Um, I do have to say, as far as the uh, um, you know, the the scene where Air dies, I like that i like that at least both of them died like it would have been super irritating for fallon to just like stab her and then just like get away i actually thought it was pretty badass for her to like pull it out and then like throw it in the back that's where i was like oh she's badass that it would have been a little bit better if it was unclear if fallon actually died or not I know what you're saying with respect to the the story steps that come later. So yeah, possibly. No, even even not considering that, I think it would have been better if it wasn't clear Fallon died or not. But like that scream and crunch, I was just like, oh, she's she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so satisfying. <laughs> I don't know. Mostly, I'm tired of Fallon. Like I, I maybe that was just a personal, personal. Yeah. But- uh, Actually, with both both those characters there, it just, I guess, because we hadn't seen either of them for kind of a long time, and then they both just get cut from the story as if it was kind of, oh, we need to write these guys out so that we can do other stuff. Maybe that's kind of the my problem with that story quest. Yeah, that is kind of annoying, but it does I, lead for character development for Bram. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for Case. And I do like how they use Fowlane as sort of a vehicle for explaining the Nightmare Court's general perspective when it comes to Mordromoth. Yeah. They see him as worse than the Pale Tree. Yeah, that did yeah. clear some things up. That was a good good use. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I was thinking about that. I did like that little exposition that they had with that. Because it, it always seemed like that would be the case, but, you know... It's good to know for sure. It's Yeah, it's good to have it confirmed that they aren't going to go in that direction. Like, any... Any Nightmare Court that have turned is not because the Nightmare Court is all aboard that hate drain. Like, And if anything, they actually might be more resistant. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Um... I guess the other thing that perhaps I wanted to touch on with this story is the rewards we've been getting from it. Um, I'm actually really impressed with the rewards. The Basically, not free, because you have to do the story, but the exotics are really nice. It's a good way of showing people like the new stat sets. Mm-hmm. And the skins! Oh, the skins! Particularly the, like, auric skins. Uh, want! Want! Now, <laughs> the auric skins, I think they're a little farther than we're talking about this episode, but if you redo that, uh, that story, do you get to choose the next one? Like, with an alternate character? I think that you get an option of three depending on your profession because on my thief i usually got a dagger a sword and a pistol as options oh i did not even clue in that it was based on your profession like i I probably haven't done it i don't think i've gotten that far on multiple characters i think i've only been doing the story on my necromancer but doing a lot of map stuff on my other characters yeah which is part of the reason why i've been like okay i'm gonna do this on my mesmer so Right now I'm on my thief, so I'm not going to grab the sword because I can grab that on my mesmer. So I'm going to grab the dagger because I can get the pistol on my mesmer too if I want it. I don't think when I did it on my mesmer, and this obviously depends on whether they roll each time, like the, which weapons you have access to, uh, but the pistol wasn't one of the ones that was available when I did it on my mesmer. Well, 
whatever. I'll get through it on each profession eventually. Yeah. So, yeah. But the quality is crazy in terms of where you get the uh, skins from. Because it's like black line trading post quality. Yes. If yeah. not close to legendary, given the kind of particle effects, it's just missing the footfalls and maybe some animation. Mm-hmm. Like, Auric has great glowy effects, and it looks... I mean, like, the metal has that, like, high-quality sheen that is on, like, Ascended stuff. So it, it's really nice. And then the chalk weapons move. Like, they have animations, and it's just... Ugh. They're, they're completely disgusting, but I can see why someone would really like that weapon set if that's the kind of yeah. thing they're going for. I was just thinking about, yeah, those are super gross. Also, I'm really happy that there's a path to ascended uh, weapons for all of the specialization weapons. I think that was a really nice touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much is it? I haven't, I mean, I saw those, but is it, is there a lot of work into that or are they relatively easy? Um, I was one of the people that was just like, you know what? I see this collection and this stuff is going to randomly pop up. So, um, Saturday, I got on all my 80s and made sure to unlock all of the specializations and just playing through on my Thief mainly to finish the story. I've done a good bit of all of them, like at least two or three pieces of each collection. Yeah, and a lot of them, I th- I think a lot all of them have like basically three like older skins that aren't very hard like are pretty cheap that you can just buy and then there's mm-hmm. a couple that are things that you get for completing specific chapters of the story with that character and then there's like one or two that require you to do like a specific um uh, I don't like a specific um adventure or something like that with that character you know there's a few things like that but, and then a few like random drops um you know that you just have to get lucky for or whatever and and things you can buy from merchants you know um but you like need the mastery to Are talk to them any of them things you need to buy off the trading post that may we that we might see going up in price i don't think so i think the things that you can buy off the trading post are just like crappy skins that nobody cares ah. about so or that you get through other means like crafting or the like yeah yeah mm-hmm. stuff like that like um, this is an example um the berserker one it takes um an exotic that is dropped by a fire elemental in the scorched lands of the iron marches which is just really cool yeah they 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 sort so of they took didn't an... forget old content either when it came to it yeah they sort of took like an almost mini legendary journey like a precursor journey mm-hmm. aspect to that. i mean much much smaller than the precursor journeys but but that sort of concept which i think is cool and there's also like just general things in the sense of like legendary journey type like one of them again for berserker is to stealth glide while you're a warrior which is just so weird for berserker if you think about it but it's still it's nice i think every uh everyone specialization has that that one really yeah Yeah, so basically once you unlock that um mastery you just go in and stealth glide with each class is that all you have to do yeah 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 which is not yeah and again i like as much as we talk about some of the sort of grindy feeling nature of the masteries, it is still so, so nice that they're account bound. Like, I love that the instant I zone in Divergent Brink with a new, um, or not new, but like an alt that hasn't been there, I can just go immediately and just like glide over to where I want to go and like hit the updrafts and just. Yeah, just that's go. another reason masteries really don't bother me because they are account wide. Yes. Yeah. And it actually, I mean. You do make pretty good progress if you are an alt type player and 
you just like go around and re-explore the same zones with multiple characters um or playing the story i think i haven't done that yet i've only played the story in one character but i i guess if you played it on alts you would also be getting decent experience from the story you mm-hmm. don't get that nice bonus that's a one-time thing but you do get some i have okay. done i think because i've done what six chapters of story and i think i've done it with almost all my main alts since so three characters I enjoy doing both paths and figuring it all out. Anyway. Yeah, I believe there's some like experience that you get the first time you do it that's uh maybe tied to an achievement or whatever for each chapter, so you don't you don't get as much as your first time through it, but even just the process of going around the maps like it's not a huge amount, but by the time you do it, <laughs> like by the time you actually get around to doing it, um it all adds up. So. So I've got one quick question. Who has gone back to old Tyria and jumped off a ledge expe- expecting their uh, glider to be there and splatted right to the ground? That happened to me in COF. <laughs> I was in path one, and I was just like, oh, I'm going to jump down here so I can talk to this person faster. And I held down my button, and I was like, wait, no, I can't do that here. Splat. And I died, and four people laughed at me. Yeah. I haven't done that once, actually. I don't know why it, what it is, but I've obviously got some kind of mental switch, either because I've just played on my Mesmer, and mostly with her only in Maguma, so my other characters haven't. Um, but yeah, I've managed to catch myself every time, and be like, yeah, you don't have Glide here, dude. I've I've <laughs> caught myself a lot of times. Like, I've, I've been getting ready to, especially in, like, Divinity's Reach, where you've got those huge jumps that yeah. are, like, not ju- huge jumps to your death. Uh, that would be great to glide around, uh, and then I'm like, wait, no. Yeah, I but, don't think I've died because I've caught myself before death, but I've definitely jumped off things like, ouch, oh, my legs. My <laughs> niche can't take this. Yeah, but no, it's, tr- it's true. It's hard to go back uh, without them. It's, it's, uh, it's very fun. Gliding is very fun. Also, yeah, gliding may be the single most entertaining thing that I do in Vertebrink. It's just so fun. To, it's so, so freeing to fly around and explore the map. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's a blast. Also, the gliding leaning is so convenient because you fly so much faster with it. Mm-hmm. But I keep finding myself in trouble because I accidentally forget that, like, how much faster it consumes it. I think it consumes it at the same like rate per distance, uh, but it just like happens so much faster that I like will not pay attention for a second and think that I've got like ten more seconds of gliding, and then I'll look down and I'll be start falling and be like, "Oh, whoops! Guess I could." Yeah, make my that. only request as far as stamina goes for gliding is that the bar that shows how much stamina you have doesn't go away until it's full. You mean like when you're uh, like on when you get ground. on the ground? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. I've that killed nice. myself a few times by jumping just a little bit too soon, and that's kind of annoying, but. Oh, so it doesn't instantly refill when you land? No. Oh, okay. I hadn't noticed that yet. Yeah. It. uh, I notice it a lot when I'm going for very high jumps that I need to land in between. Um, Like, you can notice it there. But a lot of the time, it doesn't make a super huge difference. I guess the other thing might be to keep the bar um, on screen whenever you're falling for a long period of time, because then you can see whether you've recharged enough just to open your glider. Yeah. Now, have you had any problems the other side, like using the glider when you don't want to? I know on minor jumps, when I'm holding the space bar a little too much, like I'm trying to jump off a ledge and get to a vista, I've just gone right past the vista. <laughs> no, I haven't had that. I've had more problems with it not opening or being a little bit laggy than I have had with accidentally doing it. Yeah, so a tip for, for that, if you do have to deal with lag, apparently if you just um, jump and hold the space bar, your glider will open as, as soon as it, it's available. 
Yeah. Well, the the problem for me is that in a lot of the areas, like with um, like the jumping puzzle or some of those other things, like you actually don't want to start gliding immediately. Like you you want to be doing it in short bursts, where mm-hmm. or like if you're doing a long fall and then catching yourself at the end, like sometimes it just like won't open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Base um, jump. Yeah. Uh, so it's more that type of stuff, or it would happen where it happens to me a lot, and I think maybe this adventure is just a little bit buggy. Is in Oric Basin, there's a it's called the floor is lava, and like it's basically a big poison ground area with like mushrooms sticking out of it that you can jump on, and you kick things down into the poison, and you have to jump on top of them and land on them, and then when you activate them, they bounce you back up, and so like there's a lot of not wanting to be in the air for the entire time of that fall and so you like go like go up and then you want to activate it like halfway down and like sometimes it just won't you'll just like crash into the poison and just it just hoses you so but again those are mostly minor kinks so oh man i think we're all too tired from playing the game the weekend kind (laughs) of um tired i'm still wired I have no idea why I'm logged on right now. <laughs> Is there anything anybody else wanted to specifically talk about this episode? I mean, we're going to have a lot to talk about in the coming coming weeks. <sighs> okay. Um, two things. First, um, I, again, don't worry about spoilers. I'm not going to spoil too much or anything at all. Um, as far as the maps go, because I have experienced all four of them, my favorite by far is the second one as far as um the flow of events and how that goes i have a feeling that as more people get to it the fourth one will end up becoming a much better experience um the third one i hate just just simply put i hate the third map I so heard much. whispers that it's like eric's inventory and he has bonded with it and that's <laughs> okay. that Here's the thing. He Eric channels the legend. Get, Eric didn't get an NPC. He got a map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely enjoy the the second map. I think um, primarily attraction is its ease of navigability compared with the mm-hmm. others. It definitely yeah. feels like you're always able to go where you want to go. That's one of the big problems in Vernon Brink so far I've found is there's anything at all in the canopy that you want to try and reach, be it hero points, be it exploration, whatever. You're kind of limited to the times when the helicopters are around. And that, I believe, would be, what, at night? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the last 20 night. minutes of the night. Exactly. So it has to coincide with when you are playing, when you are trying to go get something, you have to coincide with that time in order to be able to go there, which is kind of annoying if you don't have all that time to play or you want to go do other things yeah um i think vernon brink suffers from first map syndrome in the the sense that anet probably wanted to have a lot of stuff that was tied to the later masteries in there but people are ending up getting very frustrated with the fact that they can't finish the first map which is very counterintuitive to basically the rest of the game yeah, it's kind of sh- especially. I mean, again, we're trying to not talk too much about masteries this week because we're probably going to talk about it next week. But uh, no, I'm sorry, not mastery, uh, um, specializations. But especially when you're really trying to work on your specialization and mm-hmm. like you 
either can't get a group of people on the hard to reach champion ones uh, like on the hard to reach ones in the canopy or you like finally get there and it's like well the point's right in front of you but you need new hawk proving or like you You are not worthy yeah um and like it's yeah that can be definitely an extra layer of frustration when like if the progression you're trying to work on is your elite specialization and like you just can't for the life of you seem mm-hmm. to find a, a point with people at it which is part of the reason why i hate the third map so much because of the way it's like eared and caved and all that people are really spread out on that map and hero challenges because of the way they are tend to be kind of out of the way and there's quite a few that you need at least like five people to do so if you're just like waiting around or asking a map chat you could be sitting there for like half an hour waiting for someone to do a hero challenge if not longer and that's going to become more of an issue as the um game goes on and there are less people in those maps specifically because it's not new also as a side note does anybody else feel like and i know that there was some um theory theorizing going on by some of the community does anybody else feel like sometimes these maps are super abandoned because like it's it's because there are people waiting around for hero points or in the story or stuff like that and they still count towards the population cap in the story counts towards population well not in the story but like doing story steps oh in the open world yeah yeah the story steps where you're going in between the instances thought you might in the instances Given the population limits on the maps, uh, I would venture potentially currently the issue is that um, there just isn't the population that's progressed far enough to su- um, support the later maps. Uh, so I'm talking about the first map even. like Oh, I don't yeah. think I've had an issue in the first map. Generally, there have been people around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for the hero challenges, often it's difficult and you need to specifically ask for it and say in guild chat or in map chat. Um, so yeah, hard, I guess hard to say. I presume it'll improve over time, but then the risk also is that over time it'll then later decrease in, in these maps. Yeah, and it's, but it's funny you mention that as far as progression goes, because going through, like the third one is by far the worst one when it comes to like feeling of abandonment and being empty, but the fourth one is actually better when <laughs> theoretically like there should be even less people there because... That was when the mastery was, like, gated and everything for the story, and boy, getting to the fourth map is a pain if you haven't done the story. Just letting you know. Uh, And, like, it it still feels better than the third map, as far as, like, population density goes. And it's because of the way the maps are designed, as far as, like, the tiers go, and the fact that there are so many people that are just trying to complete maps rather than actually do events in them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to mention outside of what we've already mentioned is that because of uh, the way specializations are and maps and all that, I actually think we're going to have an OR 2.0 change, like uh, back three, four years ago. Jesus, how long has it been? Uh, where in about two or three months, we'll probably see some events get nerfed as far as... Uh, population required to actually finish them and hero challenges that have champions and require more than you know two maybe three people 
Because mm-hmm. there, there's one hero challenge, and if you don't have eight people, you're probably not going to be able to do it. Um, those are probably also going to get nerfed, or they might go the way of mastery points on the map and make Maguma hero challenges account bound, which I think would be the better option. Because it keeps the difficulty and it gives it that experience without having the, like, oh, hey, you need to do this on nine characters. Yeah. Now, that goes into specializations, where I think we're going to talk more next week, but if they made that account bound, mm-hmm. I would be all for it. I think pretty much everyone would be. Yeah, it, uh, the, some of those, some of those uh, again, challenging slash frustrating uh, hero points, I, like... I did on my Revenant because I really wanted to unlock the Herald because I had no head start on the Herald, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it like sort of like rankles me a little bit when I get on my Necromancer. I'm like, oh god, I haven't done that one. This this character. Uh. Yeah, I, I like parked the as a corpse there. at one of them. I just don't feel like I need to complete it all right now. And maybe that's again because I haven't played as many hours as you guys. But I like where the difficulty is at. I don't mind ha- waiting for people to show up or doing it later, because then it adds to the community of the game, and it feels like you know you're happy to see another player, which you know what is what they keep saying. Um, they want you to be happy to see other players. They want this to be a community-filled game. See, that's great for events, but when it comes to stuff that's personal progression, I think that it should either be account-bound, which they've leaned towards in the past and have done great strides in doing, or it should be achievable completely solo. Um, with that said, there's, how do I word this, as far as specializations go, and, like, Raven, you're okay with the system and all that, it, it's kind of a, a thing with mindset. I'm okay with masteries, not specializations. We haven't talked about special, specializations well, yet. masteries and all that, it, it all ties together. I think part of it is just mindset, really, because there are people that, like, do experience the progression and all of that and it's great i kind of wish i was like that but i'm not i'm the person that's like okay there's this new daredevil there's a ton of theory crafting i have to do so i can make sure that i'm doing the best i can do with this daredevil and now i have to unlock it and this no, process is taking way too long no i completely agree with you that's specializations Masteries, you know, don't know have much to do with theory crafting and builds. But I think Guild Wars should be Build Wars, and day one we should have it. It's so annoying, and we're getting to specializations where I don't really want to talk about so much this episode. But it's really annoying that you can do map completion and only be halfway there. Map completion is a lot of work; it's really hard. But only halfway there for your elite specialization—that's just nonsense. To be fair, you don't actually need to do map completion. You just need to get the skill points on the map. Well, <laughs> yeah, but. I'm like I'm, I'm just saying like I did it you're on right, four characters right. in a couple weeks which is like doing doing map completion on four characters is an order of magnitude harder than doing the skill but points on four characters. But even running around the world and grabbing every hero point, I think you should be more than halfway. I think. I, but let's think, talk about specializations next episode. Well, I, I think, think the problem and this isn't really going into specialization specifically, but I think the problem perhaps in air quotes is that there is nothing else to spend your hero points on. Like, that is literally the only thing to spend your hero points on. And so, like, I think they're sort of stuck in a place where they don't... I mean, the the fact that hero points even exist to unlock your specializations sort of, in my mind, kind of necessitates the fact that they're going to make it a progression-type system. Like, of, I mean, and, you know, we can talk next week about how fun that is or how, if it's too long or too hard, but, like... 
the fact i mean the very design of it taking hero points and hero points being a finite resource like if they are going to put hero points in heart of thorns uh i think they're strongly incentivized to like make them actually have a use which is but yeah i don't know anyway i also don't think that they would want you to have to feel like you had to go back and do all of tyria to get your mastery so i don't know but we can we can talk more about that next week Seeing as and I'm speaking the... of Tyrion masteries, well, actually, Christian was starting something, and okay. he is not on very often. Seeing as I'm the analogy guy this week, I thought I might wrap up again uh, about the specializations and the feeling that people have um, for maybe for a lot of people who are coming back to Guild Wars and haven't been playing it um, entirely. And I'm kind of one of those guys. Um, we had these old toys that we were playing with and got bored of and kind of put in a box. And then in the lead up to the expansion, ArenaNet has been showing off um, these new toolkits that you can put on your old toys, and they're really cool to play with now, and we get really excited and we want to play with them. And then we come in and realize, oh, you actually have to go and sit and play with your old toy again for a while, even though you've been bored of it, before you can play with the toolkit. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally perfect. <laughs> the analogy. Great. I guess we can end on that then. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think anything else that we needed to say tonight could be said next week because we're already at an hour fifteen. So because COF is going to be fixed by then. <laughs> so Maybe. I've I've got a, a phrase I want to end it with. So if someone will throw a wheel of morality at me, and if someone can translate my phrase because it sort of pertains to what we're doing, I will give the person who emails Relics of Or a ascended crafted mat of their their piece if they can translate it properly. All right. Okay. Wheel of Morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn, Brabin. Hakanai Kotogaski. Oh, that's that's not too hard to translate. <laughs> Hint, it's probably Japanese. Hey, and you can't be a host of the show in order to win the thing, though. <laughs> I was going to say, I can just like not publish the show until I've like translated it fully. <laughs> uh, because I've been saying I was going to give away something like that, and I figured, just let's just do it. So there you go. All right. See, cool. you need to be careful what you say there, because there's a lot more Ascended materials in Heart of Thorns that you might not have access to yet. Okay, well, the, I then thank you, Evie. I mean the Ascended materials that we have access to, you know, the four main. Uh, what is it? The silk. Spirit so probably just going to want the silk. The Spiritwood Plank, the... Dumbledore Steel. He's got it. Damask. Steel. And a learning Leather. So pretty much everyone's going to ask for Damask, and I've got some of those, so translate away. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you for joining us once again on uh relics here christian uh and i hope everybody is enjoying the expansion quite a bit and we will be back in a week oh stupid fire wyvern <laughs> this has been another episode of relics of or if you want to get in touch with us you can check out our website and forums at relics Email us at relicsofor at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve. <laughs>